Hello friends, welcome to episode 70 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I uh, I don't think we're doing too bad tonight. No, I think we're doing all right tonight. A little, little tired from the work week, but uh, still invigorated for the show. So. Yeah, yeah, right on. So we'll, so we'll go with that. Right on, right on. Um, mm-hmm. It's... Uh, uh, it's 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 been an interesting week for me uh from a role playing standpoint um uh Sean and I have gotten into a lot of space properties recently uh we were watching the expanse on Amazon Prime um also uh Eve Echoes the ver- the mobile version of uh Eve Online has uh uh has, has gone live and we started yes. playing that um so we started looking into Traveler Oh god! As a game system, like the old like nineteen seventy four spacefaring yeah. game. Yeah, I, I'm willing to bet right now if if uh, Matt Elf is not listening right now and he's listening to the recording, oh. his ears just instantaneously oh, perked. Oh, instantly, instantaneously perked up. He yeah. did like the cat eyes thing, where like his pupils yep. the size yep. of his entire eyes. Yep, yep. I, I'm sure Overwatch is doing it as well. Probably, I could see that. probably a little bit. Yeah. Um, we we did we watched some videos on it. Um, uh, trying to kind of learn the system and what it's become. Uh, it's in its second edition right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Surprising, yeah. honestly. Yeah, so it's it's still kind of kicking, um, but uh, it's it's dense. Yeah, it's well, dense. I mean, it's, it's look at very, the time period. It's a very detailed game. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Palladium um, from the standpoint of like just how much, how many layers of detail. It, when they, when we started watching this video about how you can like refinance your ship. Oh yeah, you know, and yeah. Like how you can defer your loan if you roll high enough on your finance. It's like, oh god, oh, this is like stuff I try to avoid in real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling this. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling playing this, this game to escape this sort of stuff. I don't want to have to deal with this. So, um, so hi to everybody out in uh, live chat land. If you are not currently uh, on our live chat, uh, you can join it if you are part of our Patreon. Um, which you can get at patreon.com uh, slash Storyteller Conclave. Uh, if you were listening to us live on Mixlart, thank you so much. And please, please always join our Discord. We'd love to have you there as well. Um, today's uh, pre-music actually was brought to us by Weston, uh, who does the Arcanus, uh, Arcane Anthems at Patreon. Uh, he makes uh, free music for games and podcasts. Um, I am a member of his Patreon. Uh, so give him a listen. He, he's got some pretty fantastic music, and I think uh, you're going to hear more of it uh, as we uh, as we keep doing these intros. And if you like them, or you want to hear something else, or uh, you've got some ideas, send them our way. Yeah, absolutely. So today. So today. So today. All right. So here's how this topic came about today. Okay. Um, Sean and I uh, are sitting around talking about you know various game systems and stuff like that, like you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a while back... Um, a while back, Sean had tried to adapt his favorite literary property, Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. to uh, to role playing. Um, and now there there have been a couple of I think attempts at that. I think there was a there, back in the day when like a, the three point five open uh, you know open gaming license stuff. You know where you saw that big flood of like third party D and D books uh, that were all for like weird other systems um, came out. There was a Wheel of Time game that came out there, uh, but. Uh, Ultimately, though, there there really hasn't ever been an official Wheel of Time property, um, and there's a lot of like, unique mechanics in that in that story world, um, as there are with a lot of different fantasy stories and such like that. Right. Uh, and so, finding the right role playing system to represent the the actual like the feel, yeah, of it. Like you can't just have magic because the one power does not quite work. Like magic, it's very free form. Mm-hmm. It's weaving together different elements to have different effects and such like that. Well, there's so there's a certain sense of of style to it that yeah. is very different. Exactly. Um, and so uh, we got into a discussion uh, uh, as he was searching for some uh, Dungeons and Dragons resources to adapt into Wheel of Time as a setting. And I said to him, "Are you sure you want to use D and D?" Right. Like, I know it's the default, and I know it's what we're all kind of most comfortable with here. Um, you know, D&D is almost ubiquitous or, or, or synonymous with, uh, with, with role-playing in general. Mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't have to be, you know? Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I don't think that's the best fit for Wheel of Time. And we, so we got into a bit of a further right. discussion about sure, that. Sure, and that's sure. kind of what sparked this topic tonight is mm-hmm. how do you go about taking that, that book – or that movie, or that 
uh, you know, story or whatever that you love mm-hmm. that is not a role-playing game and turn it into a role-playing game. Yes. And as we, as you were even describing things to me and we were talking even during dinner, cause we always do, mm-hmm. um, some other things came through that and hopefully we can get some of those cause it's not straight up pros and cons of doing this. There's yeah. little variance all through the process and changes on both, not only the, the setting style and, and the, and where what IP you may be grabbing it from mm-hmm. and how you're applying that, um, to just what, you know, whether it's tactical or whatever, uh, but also how you're applying that IP because it can be very different. People have a lot of ideas out there and we're oh, not, yeah. we are not saying it's a one-to-one. It never is. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I want to make this abundantly clear from the beginning of this discussion. This yep. is, this is more of us kind of exploring the topic by walking around it and Correct. describing what we see Correct. and less, and, and, and a lot less of a, here's how you do it. Right. And some things we've seen, some things we've heard. Sure. I mean, I will flat out say, I am with um, uh, the master DM, and I'm I'm losing his name off the top of my head, and I feel horrible about this. Uh, he's got a wonderful podcast, or no, sorry, podcast, uh, YouTube channel, and numbers of numerous books. Um, but um, he uh, guy is his first name. Um, uh, Scleri. I, I can never say his last name off the top of my head, and I'm terrible with names, so I do apologize. Um, but he is like me in the sense that, or I'm like him, um, in the sense that I can't take an existing book property like Forgotten Realms or Eberron or any of those um, that have a hard world where things are very set and things are very configured and use it directly. I have a hard time with that. I'm easy. I, I take a much softer approach when I come to things. So when you bring something like Elder Scrolls to the table, right, right, you know, I look at that and I go, God, there's there's a lot of you know what kind of setting rules are there? And I think that's one of the things you have to think about when you're bringing an IP in, like whether it's Elder Scrolls, whether it's uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. or uh, or we step into sci-fi. You know, The Matrix yep. is another would be another IP that you could bring. Like in. I was talking about, you know, um, one of our favorite video games, The Division. The Division's another one. I'm trying to think of some more publicly recognized things. Sure. I mean, The Division is Tom Clancy, but Tom Clancy's got a lot of story. There's, yeah, there's, there. there's a lot of stuff. So if we yeah. if we I, I don't want to go I don't want to go as far as to say like Harry Potter or anything like that, even though it's because there's so much detail in that, but. People have opinions when you when you say something like the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a very hard world setting. You know, everyone knows the main players. Everybody knows all the parts of the world. Everybody knows where people are in that world and what's going on. Alice in Wonderland is another one. Mm-hmm. Like they've developed that IP to a point where pretty much you have to kind of figure out where you fit to be able to work in those worlds. And I think in those senses, you run a lot of risks with using those hard defined IPs yeah, yeah. because they're expecting things out of them. Exactly. There, there's, there, you have an audience expectation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, these, these, uh, these stories and movies and such like that are written in such a way that there are already a lot of moving pieces by necessity. I, and as a point, I just before we get too far here, sure. Overwatch did bring up that Wizards did attempt to do Wheel of Time, and they failed at it. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what I said. There was yeah. there was a there was a third right. edition book for it. Right, and it sucked. Yeah, and it sucked. <laughs> um, Not to say the third edition didn't suck on its own, but we won't go there. <laughs> well, I mean, third third edition was a when book when you hold it up to its predecessor, second edition though. Wait a second, are we running the same gambit as Star uh, as Star Trek the movies, where like so many every so many editions fail? Do you remember, like, everybody's just, like, every third movie or what, every other movie sucks in Star Trek? I don't know. I think it was the odd number of movies sucked. Yeah. Even so, I mean, number of movies were awesome. Yeah. Something something like that. I, I Maybe we're doing that with D&D, and I just didn't realize it. I don't think so, because I, I, I think it's Fifth hard, is good. It's, it's hard to say that second was a failure. Thacko. Okay, look, I think it was a failure, but it was also the most prolific tabletop role-playing game probably in history. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was prolific. I'll give you that. The covers, one hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. It made D and D what D and D is. Yeah, doesn't mean it didn't suck in its own way. <laughs> Look, I, 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 I need you to understand I'm on your side, <laughs> but we're getting away from the topic. We here. are. Let's get back to topic. Let's get back to topic. This is why we have a podcast. <laughs> Because we have a microphone and you don't. That's correct. That's correct. Um, this is this is what you pay for, guys. This is what exactly. you pay for. This is the quality content you That's signed right. up for. That's right. Um, 
but but what I'm saying though is that is that these movies movies and and books and such like that they they have a lot of moving pieces already by necessity because they are not open world role playing games they are stories they are designed to have characters that go through journeys that have story arcs that have growth and do things and and then and then the story ends you know um and so anytime you go you you try to adapt a an, an existing ip into a role playing game you you almost by necessity have to bring with it all of those characters all those events all those places all those important things those landmarks and and events that happen along the way but unfortunately some of those things can really get in the way of your setting you know uh i mean like take lord of the rings for instance you know, I mean, if you're going to set something in Lord of the Rings, understandably, you're going to kind of want to know what's going on with, you know, uh, Aragorn and the Hobbits and Isengard and all that sort of stuff. And it's difficult to then tell a story in the Lord of the Rings universe during any period of time that involves the whole, you know, uh, the, 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 the series, the events of the series, that's not going to then involve those main characters and those events. 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you. I, I listen to people who talk about doing Lord of the Ring games and use the Lord of the Ring properties. Um, even like, uh, um, war, uh, it was a Warhammer who did it, uh, Games Workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look at that and I go, you're setting up a determination of what people understand. Mm-hmm. And I think in a tactical recreation like Warhammer or sorry, uh, Games Workshop, it works because again, we're talking about a, a tactical simulator that's simulating battles. Mm-hmm. So you're re-simulating Helm's Deep. You're re-simulating other things like that. Like, I mean, they used to do that for uh, Civil War reenactments and things like that where they were doing tabletop battles. So that makes sense for those. But the moment that you take a character like, you know, Aragon or or uh, or Legolas or any of that and put it into a role-playing aspect, everybody has an expectation mm-hmm. because they know what they believe it. One of the <laughs> – I'm going to say it and it's going to echo and everybody is going to listen to this. Everyone has a way of how they believe Drizzt Durden <laughs> – <laughs> is and the moment that your dm does not say it the way your brain hears it uh-huh and doesn't make them react the way you expect them to react your reality is shattered your your image of reality is shattered yeah and then you have false expectations that aren't being met correct. and that always leads to hurt feelings correct and i think that's that's the hardest part about grabbing a hard ip and bringing it in now mm-hmm. it's funny i just had a conversation uh with a novelist who has a world that he's been he's he's serialized and he wants to do a larp with it and my first thing that i told him and it was just right off the top of my head was do not do an existing part of your ip oh yeah pull elements and that's really where you can shine in doing this so if you're thinking about doing a world of harry potter Mm -hmm. or uh, of Lord of the Rings or of uh, the Matrix or of John Wick or of any of these types of things, grab the edge, go to the fringe, just the feeling of it. Yeah. In, you know, you can have letters or notes or points of reference that come in from the legitimate story that drives your part of it, mm-hmm. but it is not directly attached to canon. Yes. That's canon can run in the background. It oh, can yeah. exist and continue moving. But the moment that you're not directly involved with that story, don't go to Ankh Morpork if you're gonna be doing Discworld. Uh, yeah. Discworld. Yeah. Just don't do that. That's terrible that's a don't I mean, you can have death involved like on a hilltop looking over you, mm-hmm. you know, but don't bring him into your story because you know that's just gonna cause a problem. Oh yeah. Oh, you know? Yeah. It's it's kind of the same thing that I did with my Elder Scrolls game. Right. Uh, I found a spot in Elder Scrolls history that exists between Elder Scrolls Two Daggerfall and Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, mm-hmm. where nothing was going on. The Empire was at relative peace, and then I set it in a place that was neither High Rock nor Morrowind. Nope. So not even the repercussions or the preludes to those plots would even come in. Now, if you guys end up there, yeah, sure, maybe you'll see what's what's going on. But, like, you're not getting involved. No. Like, you're not going to meet the Nerevarine from Morrowind. It's over you know? there. <laughs> it's it's over there, and there's other stuff going on. 
quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I I would say if you're taking a story, let's start. Let's start by saying we're gonna we're gonna lay down that first ground rule of just try. Don't grab canon. Yeah. Don't grab yeah. canonic stuff. You're just gonna run into problems. Stay one step away from it, and. Un- have your players understand what aspects you're grabbing. Well, as- aside from that, though, like, if you grab canon, you run the very serious risk of making your your own PCs, like, background characters to the canon PCs. Correct. Like, because all of a sudden it becomes their story. Like, if yeah. Aragorn shows up in your story, what are you doing? Yeah. In what way are you going to compare to what Aragorn's doing right now? Yeah. You know? Secondly, why isn't he doing something else? Right. <laughs> why Why is he messing around with your low-level ass? You know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's start there. But when you're going into an, an ad- adaptation, it doesn't mean that you're following the existing rules. For instance, when we were sitting down at dinner, I was kind of saying that, you know, we were going back and forth about... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was which comes uh, first, the IP or the or the or the game? Yeah, yeah. And you were saying I was saying the IP should come first, right? Because the IP should dictate the you, you should you should try to distill the essence of I know there's big words there. No, distill no, you're the fine. essence of what the IP is. For, For example, instance, um, Wheel of Time is a very I would say interpersonal story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of of uh, sort of. Uh, political maneuvers and such like that. I mean, there's some combat, definitely some combat. Mm-hmm. And and the one power is definitely a very fantastical thing, but it's also not a very hard-coded thing. Right. So, like, something with a rigid magic system wouldn't fit the one power. Right. Um, something that enhances uh, gameplay elements of social and political combat would be good for Wheel of Time. Um, and likewise, there's also something about... Um, there's Sword Masters are a thing. Uh, in this setting, and so the the sort of samurai esque sword styles that they use are arguably important to include in the story, but you know maybe that might need some adaptation. So you kind of want to look at how deep you want to go into the combat, how much you want to spend time on the political and social stuff, right? And find a game system that enhances those aspects of the story. It's not a real day to day adventuring. Dungeons and Dragons style story right. with like random encounters on the road and constant combat encounters against weird fantastical monsters. I mean, yeah, they they fight Trollocs and faceless ones or you know whatever the or the the eyeless, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and things like that. Uh, more more what do they call them? More draws. Anyways, um, but those aren't really. I don't think the focus. Right. Like typically, those are horror encounters until about halfway through the story. Right. You know, where it's like, oh, crap, run. Here they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really see them capable of dealing with things until finally they're, they, they've gained enough experience to finally fight back. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a D&D story. d and I don't think would be the best place to put um, Wheel of Time. Because it's not as tactical. Right. And so what you want to do is you want to look at what the essence of the IP is, what sort of things this IP focuses on, mm-hmm. and then try to find a game system that already exists that offers you those aspects see whereas i was kind of taking it as Uh if i was doing something like the matrix as a game right i could do that in any number of settings but what if my direction that i'm taking is is that all of my players are programs and they don't know they're in the matrix and they're investigating breaches. Hmm. They just don't know they're doing that. At that point, I'm doing a mystery and an intrigue game. I could do that with Fate. Sure. I could do that with Apocalypse World. Sure. I could do that with any of those more more narrative focuses. I don't need to do tactical. I'm. They're not. I mean, yeah, they might. They might have an agent come at them, mm-hmm. but that's a huge threat to them. Oh, it is. Yeah. And like that is going to have a different weight on the story. And it's going to sit in a much more communicating, skill-based, discovery, dissemination kind of feel. And, I mean, who knows? What if I decide to do it in an early version of the Matrix? Maybe it's like the 20s mm-hmm. in Matrix world, right? And Neo is, is an, you know, the Neo character, the one who's the chosen one who's going to come through and reset everything, is there. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. So now we got, you know, 
phones are these archaic, you know, kind of rotary crazy phones that don't are there's switchboard operators that are legitimate things, you know, all of that is totally different, but the setting in the world of the matrix is still the same, all the rules still apply. Sure. But I'm doing this mystery, almost Dick Tracy esque. Mm-hmm. You know? So instead of looking at the at the, the feel of the Matrix IP, right. which is a high combat philosophy lesson? I would say that. That's uh, a better way to go. Uh, but it, instead of looking at that, you then look at what's around the periphery of it. Correct. What other stories could we tell here with a different feel, a different style? Yeah. Explore. And, uh, we... and I could literally legitimately use like City of Mist. Yeah. 100%. City of Mist would be great for it. Exactly. I'd make a few changes, but we'll talk about Weird how those would go. programs doing things like that yeah. could, could very well be rifts mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, for, for mythical creatures. Right. And know? the more you lean into it, the more you become... The more it, you start breaking the more you reality. Push, correct. Yeah. The more you push out of it. And yeah. I think that would work out perfectly. Uh, you and I got talking about, uh, again, getting kind of getting back to The Division earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, a video game that's set in Tom Clancy's, you know, looter shooter, uh, yeah. you know, run and gun cover based, you know. A, a all- short 5,000 foot overview. Uh, modern day pandemic occurs. Uh, the 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 president activates a certain order, which basically turns normal citizens, and I say normal citizens in the sense that they have training. Domestic sleeper cells yeah. of, of secret agents, essentially, that are supposed to help. When, when, when the government crumbles, they are the ones that are supposed to rise up and help. Pick up the ashes and put society back together and keep keep everything rolling. Right. So we're, we're talking a post-apocalyptic American setting after mm-hmm. a biological weapon attack. Yeah. So not super post, but pretty darn close to post. Like near, right after. Near future. Near future. Is what we call it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, we got talking about that. And so, like, I was looking at it from the standpoint of how do I replicate the, the feel of the game, but, uh, you know pull it into a setting where we could uh, explore the daily lives of these agents. Right. Such like that. Right. But still kind of have that tactical, um, you know, gun-focused yep. battle sort of feel to it. And I landed on Savage Worlds from that. Right. But you're you, also, on the other hand... You were thinking of the, the, the traditional big city, which is what they have. Sure. Like, you're either in D.C. or New York. Mm-hmm. You're in the heart of it. You know, there are guns. There are crime. There are crime. There's all kinds of stuff that you have to work on. And every day is literally a running firefight block by block. Right. Whereas, you know, I, we were sitting there and Vicky was there. And she said, you know, the whole idea was, well, what about, you know, butt kiss Iowa? You know, where, like, no, like population of 2,500. Yeah. You know, they... Maybe there's a agent there, but he's, there's still stuff happening. Mm-hmm. There's still a world. You're not Maybe... going to have roving, violent gangs and, you know, building fires and stuff. But, but you you're... might have, like, Jim Bob and his brothers who are like, we're going to put America back together our way. Uh-huh. You know, meanwhile, you might have a religious faction who's just trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then you might have some crazies who are like, just burn the earth. You sure. know, let's just raise the entire town and restart over again or not at all. And the other, the other, the other uh, one that you brought up, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was a, was a great example, and this is the example of going with the game system first, and you know, to to get a particular game feel out mm-hmm. of it, to explore a different aspect that yep. isn't in directly in the IP. Right. Was what's going on in the White House in yeah. the days when the green poison is is unfolding? Yeah. You know, you're basically um, playing. Um, what if you West wanted Wing. to play? What if you wanted to play it as a political drama? Yeah. As the green poison was, you know, it was was happening, and America was falling apart around your ears. Yeah, I'm a presidential aide. You're a senator. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so how would you do that? Like, if you could find a, a highly political game and then just set it in the division's world. I mean, I'm not going to say Amber's going to work. We're just not going to say that. <laughs> like, Par- I, I, paranoia. <laughs> I still don't know how Amber works. So. <sighs> we just got to bring Overwatch back on and pray. No that he rules. Remembers. No gods. No masters. That's it's right. just chaos That's right. and anarchy. That's pretty much the case. But anywho. Um, so, so I guess what we're saying is, is that there's, there's not necessarily a right way to start into it. It's a matter of thinking about your IP and thinking about the theme and direction, whether it's mystery, whether it's tactical, whether it's gritty, whether it's going to be, you know, scary. Mm-hmm. Is it a fear-based game? Yeah. Which it very much could be. I mean, I assure you, you could make Division into a fear game. Oh, I absolutely could. You know, play it just with a Jenga tower and that would be <laughs> terrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. You have to know those two pieces to be able to step into it. I think some of the places where you can run aground is where you have an IP that everybody knows the details of. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where it's like they're expe- there's an expectation that's set forth. There's assumptions that are set forth um, in a hard way so yeah. that your players suddenly lose their uh, mind's eye because they're like, wait, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? That's that's not accurate. You know, you you lose them in a step, and that's where you start misstepping things. I think I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, I think there's, and I I think I'm I'm pretty sure I did this with my with my Elder Scrolls game. Um, though I I'm not sure I needed to because I arguably other than Sean, I'm the biggest Elder Scrolls fanatic at the table. Well, no, no, actually that's that's false because uh, the Mad Elf is uh pretty, pretty serious is a pretty serious Elder Scrolls pretty fan serious too. Elder Scrolls so fan. He's yeah he's he's definitely along with me every step of the way. Um, but uh uh. I don't think I had to issue that big of a disclaimer that this was my own imagining of the Elder Scrolls world, but I think it's valuable to do if you are going to adapt an IP and people do know it beforehand, is to just reassure everybody, like, look, I I understand some things may seem a little alien to you, but those are because, uh, like, for instance, with my Elder Scrolls game, I mean, there's a lot of things, it's it's adapted off of a video game. Yeah. There are things that are made canon in that video game series simply because it's a video game. Mm-hmm. They have to have game mechanics. They have to. They can only spend so much time programming NPC interactions or different variations of monsters and things like that. Where in a tabletop game, you're not, you know, you're not saddled with that limitation. You can really go anywhere that your your mind's eye takes you. You know, you can adapt anything you can pull out of the monster manual and call it a Daedra. Um, you know, so understandably, there were going to be some points where people were going to look at what is canon in the video games and say, oh, that's not how that works. Well, of course, it's not how it works. I don't want it to work like the video game. I want it to work like my tabletop world. The whole reason we're playing it as a tabletop game right now is so we can break out of the IP's limitations. Yes. And explore them. So, buckle up, Buttercup, because if a little inconsistency here on how a flame atronach looks right. is is going to break your immersion, I need you to deal, you know, with a whole lot more coming up. How does that go? I'm going to need you to get all the way off all my back. All the way off my back. Wow, <laughs> let me get off that thing then. All That's right. right. But at the same time, if you can find IPs that you want to go with that are not as stringent... Mm-hmm. That maybe have some variation in them, that have a little bit of drift. I think John Wick is actually a really good, I would say, light IP. Now, there's some argument there, because now that we've had up to Parabellum in the storyline, you know, people have a kind of understanding of how the Assassin's secret society works, how many there are, how well connected they are, what kind of, you know, elements there are around the world, and, and where the values come in and go out. But at the same time, like, you could do anything in that. You could be an outsider who gets brought in. Mm-hmm. You could be an assassin, much like John Wick, who's made their way out of it. Yeah. You know, you could be someone who is, who's been on the on, on the, the no list, basically, on the kill list, but silent. Could you be know? some average Joe who is at the wrong place at the wrong time and gets swept up into the whole world. Exactly. Yep. You know, or or basically makes a kill. And now they, they they have a chit, you know, like another assassin looks at them and says, Oh, that kill was yours totally, so let's let's go get that taken care of. Yeah. What do you mean? Congratulations. Uh, here's your first coin, here's your you know. Two point six million that you just earned off that hit. What? I did what? I did what? And you're a freaking paper boy. Yeah. You know, and that's a whole story within itself of just how do you handle that? Yeah. You know, and you could take that as far as tactical, you could mm-hmm. take that in a mystery sense, you could take that in a in a, a very social sense, but it is flexible. So, I uh, I, I want to actually um, kind of kind of diverge from the, the 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 discussion right now. There's something really interesting happening in the live show chat right Hello? now. Uh, so, Knox in the box says, uh, "There's no right way, only wrong ways." Doesn't this whole adaptation concept just invite metagaming to begin with? Uh, and but but then, well. <laughs> But then Heatsink actually makes a really great uh, a really great point. He says, perhaps, but that's not a bad thing. Your player knowing the setting makes it easier to play in that setting. I agree. I think there's a gray area between knowing the setting and knowing all the details of the exactly. setting. Exactly. Because the thing is, is, it, is, 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 this kind of ties back into the whole idea of like avoiding canon. 
Well, not just avoiding canon. I mean, we talked about it in our last show mm-hmm. when someone knows more about technology than you do and you start using incorrect terms. Yeah. Suddenly you run a risk. I think the same thing applies here. Like, it's hard for me to run a game in Forgotten Realms uh, with friends who know more about it than me. Mm-hmm. Because suddenly I'm having to do a ton of research to keep up with them. Yes. It is much easier for me to create whole cloth canon, give them base information, and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Again, how much do you give them? But if I've got an IP that kind of just skirts the edge of things, gives me a a background, much like when you're, I will say this, much like in our previous games, like in the 90s and such, when you'd go into a new RPG and you'd see the mountains in the background, or like the sky having two moons, you could never get to those. Those were literally background, but it gave you a sense of scope. Mm -hmm. That is effectively what you want your IP to do for you. Yeah. You want yeah. it to give you a sense of scope, a little bit of boundary, a little bit of of framework to give it flavor, you know, to give it the outside edge fl- fl- flavor, and then you're inside that world now doing something different. You know, and keeping in mind, too, that knowing the details of a world does not mean you get to interact with those wor- with those details either. Right. So knowing who Elminster is does not mean you can just go knock on Elminster's door and just be like, well, excuse me, sir. Right. I happen to know you're an all-powerful arc, you know, arc, arc wizard. Can you yeah. uh, can you do this right. or that for me? Sure. Yeah. He's going to be like, well, who the hell are you? Get off my front porch. Well, it's, it's like I'm using busy. the Star Trek world. Like, you can be in Star Trek <laughs> and know what's... I'm trying to watch the Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just a bit, a bit too much garlic. But, uh, like, Star Trek is a good example of an IP that's open. Yes, there's a lot of framework there that you can work within, mm-hmm. but you're not going to have Picard or, you know, Kirk or, Kirk or Cisco or, or yeah. Spock or something. You know what's happened in sections of the galaxy. You know about the Gamma Quadrant mm-hmm. and the Alpha System, you know, and things like that, you know. And you can still have an entire story that has nothing to do with those people that still works within the framework and is still flexible enough to have changes occur. A, a new system for the, the engine, you know, that's not necessarily just warp technology, you know, mm-hmm. could be something new. And people are like, oh, okay, well, that's totally different. You know, nobody really knows what the deflector shield totally does, <laughs> you know, and that gives you flexibility there as well. It's a McGuffin. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so you have flexibility in stories like that. And I think any story can have that flexibility mm-hmm. as long as your players are willing to take it. Even games like, even IPs like The Witcher Mm -hmm. is one where there's a whole world there Mm -hmm. that you can do both post and uh, and pre to The Witcher stories that we know. Yeah. But there are hundreds, there are not hundreds, but there's tons of books. There's a bunch of games that people, you know, this is canon. Skirt the edge of canon. That's all you have to do. Yep. And make sure your players are flexible. Did we beat that to death and do we have some questions that we have to get through? I, okay, so here's the thing about us and questions this week. There's a lot. We got some great questions this we did. week. We did. We literally, when we were putting the show sheet together, um, I was I actually got slammed with a lot of work today, so I didn't get to work on the show sheet as much as I wanted to. That's okay. But, That's a good discussion. Um, but uh, I, I did say, I'm like, oh, thank goodness we got so many great questions because we can literally dedicate like half of our show to that. And I think we should. Uh, so you want to you wanna pick the first one here? Uh, yeah. So let's do, let's just hit the, uh, you know what? I want to do Hulu. All right. Um, as a GM learning a new system, I can get overwhelmed by all the details and, and the burden that when at the table, I'm supposed to be the expert on the rules. Right. We just talked about this. Yep. This is especially true for me if I'm learning a new system that is not like systems I know, i.e. heavy rolling, uh, or roll heavy to story heavy, fantasy based to superhero based. What are some tips I can do, use to reduce the cognitive wear of learning new systems? That is a hard question to answer, but I will say this. For me, I usually find an expert. I don't step into systems that I don't know without consulting my friends, yeah. without consulting colleagues, without watching YouTube videos and 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 seeing what not only like a storyteller talks about it, but also maybe a little bit of gameplay. Mm-hmm. I'll then go and find whatever screen they've produced, DM screen yep. or quick sheet. That'll instantly tell you what rules they think you should know at a exactly. moment's notice. Yep. Um, I'm definitely going to back you up on the watch a bunch of YouTube. Uh, there are actual play YouTube videos of damn near everything out there. 
uh, we got interested in Traveler, we had a bunch of people making tutorial videos on explaining Traveler to us. We got interested in Legend of the Five Rings. We had an actual play, like in, in one Google search, we had an yeah. actual play of, of Legend of the Five Rings. That's the fantastic. Most current edition. Yeah. Um, same thing with Savage Worlds. Uh, we started looking into that. Bam. Instant, uh, instant videos. So I think probably the biggest thing for me is like it's it's one thing to read the rules; it's another to see it played and see how those rules are put into action. Um, so I think watching an actual play of the game that you're trying to learn is very good. Um, the other big tip I'm going to say is just be open and honest with your players. You know, look, I'm learning this system right along with you guys. There's going to be some stumbles along the way, but I think it's important that we make a table ruling. If we can't come to a uh, uh, to an amicable agreement on what the table ruling should be, maybe we just have a, ru- a roll-off just to keep the game moving, and then we'll look it up later. Yeah, don't stop. Every, every stumble with the rules then becomes a learning a learning thing later. You just make a note of it. Like, we didn't know how grapple checks worked. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to call it an opposed strength check at the table. I don't know if that's really how it works, um, but we're going to do that. You roll strength, mm-hmm. you roll strength, bam, okay. Now we're just going to adjudicate the scene, and it's just going to go from there. Keep moving. But you look at that note a little bit later, and then between game sessions you say, shit, I didn't know how grapple checks worked. Let's look that up. Mm-hmm. Let's really go- Oh, it's an athletics or acrobatics <laughs> check. I get it now. That yep. makes sense. And I'll know that for next time. And be flexible with your players if they created a character that they intended to go one direction and the mm-hmm. rules basically really needed it to be a different way. Mm-hmm. Allow them to make that change. Yeah, absolutely. Be flexible, especially early on. That's another thing. Anytime you get a new system, be flexible with your players. Let them make changes to their characters to meet the character needs that they're seeing. Don't just pigeon, you know, make them stay along that trail. A lot of you guys were new to 5th edition when I started my Elder Scrolls game. We were. And uh, I, I let you guys go on basically two whole adventures. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of those adventures was like, okay, you're back, at, you're back at home now. You're back in the city. You have the opportunity now to either set your character in stone or respect them. Yep. And we will write that however you need it to be. If you want yep. it to be a different person or if you just want your cleric to be a warlock now. Yep. yep. We can do that. Like, yep. I'll retcon anything you need, mm-hmm. but let's make some decisions now that you've had some experience playing. Yep. Okay. I hope that helped, Hulavu. Yeah. You uh, know, and and that's a, that's a great question because fantastic it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a very common concern for ever. And hell, I mean, you and I still have that concern when yeah. we're dipping into new things. You know? Always, always. So yeah. So. Uh, all right. So Samantha. Uh, one of our Patreons asks, mm-hmm. uh, any tips on adjusting stats slash finding corresponding spells and weapons for characters from video games, movies, books, etc.? What's a good strategy? So this kind of goes back to your finding the right I- the right type of system yes. that works for that. Yes. And I think you, you kind of have to start with knowing a couple systems. And if you don't know systems well enough, again, ask. Mm-hmm. We've got a great group here. So if you're uh, if you're interested in doing something unique, throw, throw it in the channel. People will give you a bunch of different systems. Oh, absolutely. And But I think the first step that you have to know is, are you doing something tactical? Mm-hmm. Are you doing something emotional that's going to be a lot of social stuff and, and commentary? What level of detail do you right. think you require? Is it a very technical sort of setting that you're, right. that you're trying to get into? Or is it more of a loosey-goosey yeah. setting? And if you're not comfortable with stats and, and spells and weapons and things like that, maybe roll the whole system back to something lighter that can still be functional for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's nothing that says that you can't go back to a system that's not on, like, you know, City of Mist, where basically the people are coming up with terms for what they're doing yeah. versus the actual, like, weapon and stats and specifics. You I, can I would, come I would, back. I would dare say fall back to something that's setting agnostic, like yeah. Fate or Fate GURPS. is a good one. GURPS um, is good. Savage Worlds is setting agnostic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some great uh, some great suggestions for, uh, for systems like that, where, like, if you don't have a specific system in mind... You can fall back on these setting agnostic ones because they are specifically written to be very adaptable. Um, I was telling Rob earlier, like Savage Worlds, uh, uh, they have a whole spell system. Um, and I know Draven, Draven was also uh, describing this in our uh, on our Discord. Um, and he was saying that the spells are very generic. It's literally, and, and I, uh, uh, Rob said, fire. And I said, no, already too specific. <laughs> it is blast. 
in which you project a projectile towards your enemy with the uh, with the intent of doing harm. Now, is that a blast of eldritch energy? Is it flame from your eyes or from your fingertips or something like that? Is it a, a piece of technology that fires a projectile or something like that for you? Maybe. I don't know. What's your setting? But it's so generic that you can flavor it any way you want. But the mm -hmm. end result is the same. A projectile hits your enemy and does damage. Yeah. And, and listening to that, that makes it easy. Because at that point, it could be anything. Yeah. And magic equals technology uh -huh. just as easily. And there's even rules in there for, okay, you want it to be technology now, so it is an item? Okay, mm -hmm. sure, you want that Division 2 uh, sniper turret? Yep. Cool. It's a blast spell, but there are rules for how I can invest power points into it, a.k.a. a battery, mm -hmm. and hand it to Rob's character, who does not typically wield these things. Yep. So the first strategy I'm going to say is the same thing that both Sarah and I do. Find some experts. Ask yes. for assistance. Always communicate with your with with a group. I mean, any time that you can move to a society or group like us, um, or and there's plenty out there. Reddit's got a great community for it. Mm -hmm. Throw a question out there, you will get answers from that community, and I highly recommend it. Uh, the other thing is too is that never underestimate the uh, the power of reskinning. Correct. Uh, I like this is basically the entire concept that my Elder Scrolls game runs on. Right. It's just D and D. We're literally just playing D&D &D straight out of the book. Yep. I, I wrote almost no homebrew rules for it whatsoever, other than people's astrological signs having a minor effect on them, giving them skill proficiency. Other than that, all the races are direct translations out of the books. Um, I didn't use Dark Elf as Dark Elf. I used Tiefling because it fit a little bit better. Um, but yeah, they're all they're all just reskinned races. Um mm -hmm. Like find familiar, it says. Oh, you pull a, a, a you know a small you know fairy creature from the Feywild. Well, the Feywild doesn't exist, so now it's a Daedra. That's it. It's like it's, it's just reskin stuff. Yep. Um, you guys were fighting uh, Dark Seducers and Golden Saints, which are um, Daedra from uh, from the Elder Scrolls setting. Uh, they were Murgoths or something like that. From there's some sort of demon where the Golden Saints and uh, Succubi were okay. the, the Dark Seducers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Didn't change a thing, single thing about their stats. Literally, they were the closest monsters I could find, and I went right with them. Didn't homebrew anything. You know? So, uh, uh, Vicky's character uh, wields a katana. Yeah. There's no katana in the player's handbook. But you know what a katana is? It's a slightly curvy longsword. Yep, yep. So, you know what? It's a longsword now, you know? it's All these things is mostly about finding abstract equivalencies and then just going with them, because... Frankly, anything you're probably going to stat out, there's probably already something out there that's either very close or exactly what you're looking for. Um, and it saves you so much work just to change the name on something and run with it. Yeah. And that's it. Grab another that's, one. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Overwatch asks, um, can you give an example of a bad fit combination of a setting and system, a combination that doesn't work and why? Hmm. I like the 7th C system as a whole. It is basically a D10 system mm -hmm. with uh with magic, but the magic isn't as direct. It is it is uh it is simplified because you know each one of your casters is, you know, basically down a specific route. Mm -hmm. Um and there's some stuff there. I can't see using the 7th C system functionally in other settings parts of it yes i'd have to kit bash the heck out of it but like if i was going to try and take 7c and use it in say uh disc world i don't think it would work i don't think it would either i mean it's so the system is so tied into the setting it is and i think that's part of the problem is how close it is to the system yeah i think another one that makes that challenge is rifts rifts as a whole is tied to its setting if you tried to pull it apart, I think you'd run a lot of risk. There's some great elements to it, definitely. Yeah. Palladium as a whole is a very universal system. Yeah, you could rip bits out of it and Correct. make something, but you could not port rifts over Correct. to a different system. So yeah. I think those kind of things would be bad. On the other hand, look what, what Palladium did, did as a whole for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think it was a working effort there, but I think, and this is just my personal opinion, it pulled away from what the property was as far as 
kids recognized. Mm -hmm. Like when I was a kid, I didn't start by reading the Turtles comics. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I started by watching the show, which was this hokey show about a bunch of heroic turtles who went and kicked some very funny looking guys butts constantly and, and snarked down pizza every single chance you know, they got because had it was this, like crack you know, for them had this woman following them around and some dude who kept a hockey stick around and wore a mask all the time it was kind of a do- doofus mm-hmm. you know these this was the kind of setting that i saw which was very heroic mm-hmm. in setting and then you play the tmnt game and it is not it is tactical and gritty by numbers. It's, it's gritty by numbers, yeah. And so in that sense, for me, it, it was a crashing reality of, ugh. Yeah. But once I started playing it, I shifted mind frames. Mm-hmm. And I was able to play the game that was set before me, which was much closer to the comics. comic. Yeah. I, the comic, I will say it that way. I Well, I, I cl- not the Archie comics. Correct. The, the Eastman and Layered Correct. Turtles comics. The, the classic yes. comics that were made yep. for the reason they were made. We won't even get into that tonight, so... Yes, everyone, we brought up turtles. It's Jeez. been a while since we had a turtle. Yeah, reference, yeah, so we did that. We did that. So so uh, we're back on track with that. Good. Yeah, Those congratulations, keep, keep turtles have come back around. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say would be a bad combination for me. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think my, my go-to is like D&D and anything that is not adventuring fantasy. Yeah. Um, because I think that probably the biggest, like, because D&D is so ubiquitous, that also that actually works against it. Yeah. And it's one of the main reasons why I wanted to have this discussion tonight in the first place. Mm-hmm. Is because I think a lot of people out there, the very first thing they reach for when they're like, how do I want to, I want to play in this other setting. How do I change D&D to work that way? And honestly, that should not be the first thing you work, you reach for. D&D is a great setting for telling Dungeon delving, day to day adventuring, high combat encounter, um, fantasy stories. Yeah, and it sucks at everything else. Yep, yep. It is amazing for what it does, but it sucks at everything else. If I want to play a social game in any way, no, no, no. or a skill based game, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other one that hit my head was uh, I don't know if anybody on here has actually played the the um, Farscape game. I have not. I've heard it's terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible ap- adaptation. A lot of detail. Uh-huh. But again, that's a very defined world. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think it works. The other one was the... Um, uh, uh, what am I... I'm losing it. Nope, it's gone. I was I was actually mentioning to Sean uh, before I came over here that uh, uh, I own the, the old Aliens role-playing game. Oh wow! I remember that. God, I don't even remember. What I never played it, but I, rem- that. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of that that happened back in the early eighties. Yeah, 80s. just these little one-off games and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, I, I no, I remember looking through the book. I, I could not tell you what the rules are like, mm-hmm. so don't quote me on any of this. But I, 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 I remember reading through the book and going, "Wow, this is just needlessly complicated." And I want you to understand. This was in the heyday of me playing Palladium, which is which is needlessly. I complicated. thought Palladium was a good system, and I looked at this and went, "This is needlessly complicated." Yeah, yeah. no, I, I I feel that there's been a, there was a lot of games that came out of that time period that were like that, and there's mm-hmm. been some that have come out since that definitely have that feel. Um, yeah, yeah. Firefly was the other one that yep. I started flipping through, and like literally, I grabbed the book off a shelf. Was like, "Oh, it's a Firefly game," and I started flipping through. And I'm like. It's literally a mirror of the Firefly TV show. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. Here's how you play Mal Reynolds. Kind of, the, the, play Mal you get Reynolds. to play the captain, yeah. Mal Reynolds, but different. That's not Mal. Wait, yeah. what? Why would I? Why would I want to create a fanfic with my friends? Yeah. I so mean, maybe, I mean, there's, maybe there's some people are into that. Yeah, but... well, and, I, and I'll take a step back. I apologize to those who like playing role playing fanfics. Mm-hmm. That is a thing. It is not something that I do for my role playing side. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So the Mad Elf asks. Yes. Uh, do you have a favorite slash preferred setting you'd like to see adapted, which has not been done yet? Hmm. That has not been done yet. I mean, technically, there's no there's no official Elder Scrolls setting, so here I am. That's true. But I, but you can I, say I've done it, so... I would like to see, and this sounds really weird to say this, but I'd kind of like to see someone try and do a Hunt for Red October game. Like a classic Cold War submarine combat. Oh. Small team, again. Oh, interesting. You know? Yeah. 
Huh. I mean, it, it's basically naval combat. Again, but could you imagine like a Cold War game like that? Uh, you know, back in the day, man, and we're, we're again we're talking Palladium days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I had ninjas and super spies at my at sure, my sure, sure. I actually thought about running a game that took place in an alternate universe where the Cold War never ended and Mother Russia was still our uh, dude. Was there was a lot enemy. of that that was going on. I, anybody here? I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, I never played it. I only saw the books a couple times, uh-huh. but it came back up in my feed because uh, apparently there's been an anniversary. Twilight 2000 was a game that was that was kind of thrown around, and apparently it's it's made multiple versions, been back around the block a few times. So, hey, thank you, Hulavu. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I, I, I have a, a love for Hunt for Red October, and it, it kind of popped into my head. I'm like, that would be a fun thing to try and do. Mm-hmm. And again, that that comes back to Tom Clancy, funny yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's a thing. Let's grab one more, uh, just so we can kind of squeeze it out here and, uh, and have we, a, we got, we got a little time. And we got a little bit of time. I don't think I've answered the question. Oh, yet. I'm sorry. I thought you jumped into that. Uh, no, no. I mean, uh, let's see. So we talked about the division. Uh, we talked about, uh, uh you know, that hasn't been done yet. Cause I was, I was going to say aliens would actually be a good one, but as we just explained, it actually has been done. Starship troopers. Badly. Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't want to play in Starship Troopers. That's the thing. I think playing in Starship Troopers would, would, uh, like it was, the story was very heavily like anti-fascist, you know, sort of, uh, sort of, um, uh, themes and stuff like that. And I think playing it would go entirely against the idea, like enjoying the setting. <laughs> you're not supposed to enjoy the setting. You're supposed to take it as a warning, you know? Right, right, right. So I, I feel like, I feel like enjoying the setting and exploring it further from those, from the, from the aspect of your, your heroic in that setting would just be missing the entire point. Um, oh God. You know, uh, I've mentioned this author before. Um, a friend of a mutual friend of ours turned us on to her, uh, Shauna McGuire. Yes. Um, now she uh, has written several series of books. Um, one of them being um, the uh, the October Day series, which is a contemporary fantasy story series, uh, kind of a kind of akin to uh, the Dresden Files. Yeah. And I've I've often said that that I find that one very intriguing because it's all about fairies, um, and of course you know the good and the bad of of the whole fairy right. court and such like that and how it intersects with our world mm-hmm. um but i'm actually gonna go with one of her other series right now and that is the wayward children series um and it involves young children who wander off through doorways oh into strange worlds Ooh. that cl- they find these doors because they are meant to find these doors okay these are their doors Interesting. But when they go to these other worlds, they are changed by these worlds. Okay, no, that some, makes sense. And some people live out their lives happily or unhappily otherwise um, in on the, in these other worlds. Oh. But some children come back. Different. And because they co- they've come back from these fantastical places, they're forever changed by their experiences. And um, the whole story deals – the whole setting deals with this home for wayward children. Ooh. Uh, which is essentially like a boarding school. Okay. Um, to the outward-facing world, it's if your child is a weirdo who misbehaves and just can't get their reality back together, mm-hmm. don't worry. We'll take care of them. What mm-hmm. it really is is it's run by someone who's had her own doorway. Oh. And tries to help the children find their way back. Oh. Because it's the only way they'll ever be happy and exist in, uh, ever again. They can't exist in our world. Interesting. So at least they can be amongst others who understand their plight. Right. And maybe, just maybe, we'll figure out how these doors work, and we can put you back where you belong. I like that. Uh-huh. I think th- I think that would be a neat mystery, because you could do that serialized. Yeah. Where you're part of that team, like yes. the, the Umbrella Academy type thing. Yes. You know, where you're finding these kids in their situations that suck uh-huh. in, in the real contemporary world. And then pulling them through, it's almost a little bit like a um, Miss Peregrine's yeah. in a direction. A bit, yeah. But I like the, I, 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 I was unaware of this, mm-hmm. um, but I like the fey aspects of that. The being fey touched changes you because there's a lot that exists out there. That's that's cool. I like it's that. It's not even just being fey touched, though. Like, right. The first story surrounds someone who is who existed as a statue in the court of Hades and Persephone. Oh, Lord. 
And it was this place of death mm-hmm. and stillness. And she loved it because the world was always too much for her. And there it was so quiet. Mm-hmm. And she could just be still. She could just be a statue. Mm-hmm. And she was one of Hades's favorite statues. Would come and look at it she and was, care for it. In fact, at one point, and everything was colorless. Everything was black and white there. And so her senses weren't constantly being bombarded by noise and color. It was just still, and it was just black, and it was just white. And she had streaks of white in her, five streaks of white in her hair, from where Hades, at one point, had admired her so much that he ran his fingers through her hair. Oh, wow. And, yep. And that was her. And then when she came back, like... Everything was way too much because she existed in this world, you know. And it wasn't fairies. It was gods of death. That's amazing. Of the underworld. That's amazing. I but, like that. You know? I like that. I like that. So. Okay. Okay. I like yeah. that. Yeah. It goes all sorts of different directions. And nice. it's just it's just fascinating. Okay. So. Okay. Knox. Uh, Knox, right? Yes. Okay. If characters uh, in the movie or book that you're trying to represent had a specific goal, motivation, or personality in that respective story, would you pick a game that mirrors those same qualities or something more open for players with different ideas uh, for those worlds? Hmm. I wouldn't be picking characters in the movie or book. I would move hard away from that. Well, I, th- I think I think what he's asking though is um, is kind of the crux of of our of our of our show is do you do you go for do you pick a game system that represents the themes of the IP, mm-hmm. you know the specific goals, motivations, and such as that. AKA, like if we're doing Lord of the Rings, would our characters have the goal of defeating Sauron? See, I, I fighting know. against the dark in whatever way they might they might i mean right. say they may not okay. ever cross paths with the ring bearer or anything like that but would they be forces fighting against sauron i don't know because see i might do lord of the rings but i might be doing like the dwarves trying to make their own way back to moria yeah you know after you know, years of being away mm-hmm. and like they believe their kings are gone and they, they need to get back there because it's their place you know or or different dwarves that have been trying to defend themselves from other attacks of the orcs and things like that yeah, yeah. you know um i i think i would step away i see i have a hard time going in with the same kind of drive on the other hand if i'm doing like agents of shield sure i might make a same unit that's constantly fighting different things there sure and and the 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 powers that be that have come through and kind of playing with that but again i i run risks every time colson is in the space Mm -hmm. or one of the other heroes could be involved in some way because now there is motivation and drive that everyone knows about and and rules you almost can't have captain america show up no and you're like well he's not gonna kill steve rogers so i know he's just an unkillable tank at this point you know yep uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, it's just kind of goes back to stay away from canon, um, or drive against the canon. I think Knox made a good point there. Plays the orcs. Plays the orcs. Plays the orcs. Yeah. I, I kind of think that's a, a neat idea all in itself. That's, you know, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Um, I, I think I, I would definitely stray more towards, um, allow the players with different ideas, uh, to, yeah. to, to kind of go their own way. Cause I, I think the whole reason you take an existing IP like this and you drag it into the tabletop world mm-hmm. is so that you can explore things that are outside of the box that were, that was dictated by the original product. Correct. You know, correct. You can um, go with your own way as a division agent. Uh, I would want to see what less looty shooty video gamey combat looks like and more. What is the reality of day to day life in post-apocalyptic post green poison America? You know, yeah. How does survival work? How do you deal with you know rival gangs and such like that? Um, you know, s- settlers and you know the, the good people. You know, who are just trying to make settlements for themselves. Oh, we're Our- over. That's it. Wow, we missed the ending. Oh wow, we we oh, we, we rolled so. right through it. All right. Well, next week we're going to be talking about Shadowrun. Uh, it's a game spotlight. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, Find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, Instagram st underscore conclave, and obvious on MixLR at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. You can also find our Discord link in our Twitter, or you can go to https storytellerconclave.com now. Yeah, storytellerconclave.com. We're a lot easier to find. You know, no weird, weird uh, spelling of blueberry. <laughs> Uh, the one thing, our Patreon members, as always, uh, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, and every single one of you who contributes to us week after week, thank you so much. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. 
Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. And our outro music, which was playing over us this whole time, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find her at freemusicarchive.org or soundcloud.com slash midairmachine. We'd like to thank our families and our friends who have been with us. You guys help us out so much and support us all the time. We thank you. And of course, our listeners. You make this all possible. Thank you so much. We love every one of you. Love you so much. Good night. Good night.